On today's Midcourt Madness, Biggs, COVID has not yet canceled this tournament, which means we have games to preview this weekend. John, the field is 68-0 against COVID as far as, as as far as at the time of this recording. Nobody's dropped out of no, nobody's dropped out of the bracket yet due to COVID. And uh, we have to ask ourselves, is, is COVID a thing? Is COVID just defeated now? Are they done? <laughs> yeah. Gonzaga is the most undefeated team in the country, and COVID now is uh, is losing. We're finally winning. Yes. COVID is basically turning into the Oklahoma of this year's pandemic. It's on, it's on a big-time skid here. Yeah, all we, apparently all we needed was just to power through and have a bracket, and maybe that's what, what sent COVID away. Yeah. So we are going to get into these games. We already talked uh, a couple days ago about you know the tournament as a whole and previewing some of the tournament. But this year, this uh, episode, we're going to preview some of this weekend's first round and second round matchups and tell you what we think. And we'll get into that right after this. So Biggs, um, think the best way to do this. Let's just break it out like we did before. You know, top left, top right, or you know, northwest, northeast, um, and the other two later on. Um, and let's start off with the top left, which of course is Gonzaga's region. And you know, I don't think it's worthwhile to just you know go through each game individually. So I was thinking, let's go through. You know, I always consider these like a everything like a four week four uh, four team mini tournament so for example you got gonzaga against the winner of norfolk versus appalachian state and then oklahoma missouri so we'll start off with that one biggs and my main question we sort of talked about this on our last episode but does gonzaga get tested this weekend boy i don't know i mean norfolk state norfolk state versus appalachian state can either of those teams keep it within 40 with gonzaga uh, you know does that like- as a test what like what if they get down like ten eight early on? Like, can Gonzaga recover from that? Do the buttholes tighten? That's the question. You know, they haven't. Really, I mean, that's why that BYU game is probably so important. Because if you're down ten eight in the first three minutes against Norfolk or Appalachian State, you could say, "Hey guys, we've been here before. BYU did this to us. Uh, loosen up the buttholes." But John, we have <laughs> precedent. I don't know if you remember a one seed has lost to a sixteen seed before. So these sixteen seeds now oh, really? are kind of empowered. I wonder what happened. That that, that one seed must have just fallen off the face of the earth or something. How do you Never heard from, from that? that program again. Yeah, exactly. Um, but on the other side, you know, you got to wonder, we talked about uh, Wisconsin and how maybe just getting out of those Big Ten games could be what really, you know, gets them back to that elite level. Like, could that be the case for Oklahoma? Like, just getting out of the Big 12, you know, they're on a bit of a skid right now. Could, well, you know, playing yeah, someone talk- outside of the conference get them back on track? Yeah, I talked about this a little bit in my uh, in my latest in my latest article up at, mid- at midcourtmadness.wordpress.com. Is that the right website? I hope that's the right website. Yeah, that's a great website, by the way. People Sweet. That's the website where we have all of our content. Uh, I actually kind of reference yes. this a little bit. I mean, if you would have if you would have just gone into a coma in mid January uh, and you would have woken up and you see Oklahoma's playing Missouri, you're like, oh shoot, I missed the first three rounds of the NCAA tournament. We're in the Elite Eight. You know, are the one seeds still alive? Because, right. you know, when the bracket reveal came out in, like, early February, both those teams were in were in that top 16. And things have really gone right. kind of south for both squads since. So, yeah, could it, could it be just one of these teams gets away from their conference and kind of recaptures that 
that early season magic, right? Yeah, and you know, we referenced the skid from Oklahoma. They've lost five out of the last six games. You know, the worst one being against Kansas State, who isn't in the tournament, but the other four, you know, Oklahoma State, they've lost two twice. They lost to Texas, they lost to Kansas. All all three and four seeds. So yeah, I'm not saying Oklahoma's gonna, you know, beat Missouri and then beat Gonzaga the second half the second round, but I mean you never know. Gave to keep an eye on maybe. Do you think that they which team do you think poses a better chance to give Gonzaga a game? Do you think it's Oklahoma? Yes. I don't I don't see much out of Missouri. They're I mean, they got Jeremiah Tillman. He's a stud down low. But I just like watching that Austin Reeves play. He's got Davion Harmon um, pacing the backcourt with him. And then, I don't know, I just see Oklahoma being the better team out of them. They played the tougher conference. SEC isn't near as good as the Big 12. Yeah, it, it feels like Missouri is kind of like, you know, I talk about Ohio State got upranked in like the, the top three or four earlier in the year. And, and it feels like lately they're kind of water finding its level. Feels like that was kind of the case with Missouri too. I mean, you look at their non-conference, and it's awesome. I mean, they have like they have like some terrific wins, including a win over Illinois. Uh, they beat Alabama early in the SEC season. It just kind of feels like they've they've kind of regressed to what you expect them to be. Because when that was all happening, we're like, "What's going on with this Missouri team? Like, they're not supposed to be this good." I think they're probably about what right. they are now, and and they've played a lot worse than that. They haven't played like a nine seed even the last month. I mean, they've, they've been really bad. You know, they, they fell from like a top 16 team to basically yeah. like a borderline bubble squad over the last month. Um, it, it does feel like Oklahoma at least can can look to like, hey, we're losing to Kansas and Texas and Oklahoma State, teams that are, that are top three seeds in this thing. And, and we're right there with all of them. You know, I, I think that they do have more, yeah. more juice. Yeah, and, you know, I think that bracket reveal is right around – Right around Valentine's Day, I want to say. Um, but if you look at, just say, looking at the schedule, yeah, <laughs> made up holiday for Hallmark, really. That's so true. Um, but after their win against Bama on February 6th, they're 13 and 3. Since then, they've gone a little math in my head 3 and 6. six that's, since then? that's not a tournament team. If you go 3 and that, 6, that's just stumbling your way into the tournament. Exactly. They backdoored their way in. You you racked yeah. up enough wins in your non-conference. I mean, a win over Illinois that that's you know you can't discount that. That's really impressive. But is the Missouri team from December and January the same one that we get here in in mid March? You know, teams evolve, and sometimes the bad way. Indeed, kind of like that guy right, from let's, the Hulk, uh, toss like it. a normal soldier, and then he turned into like a big old monster or whatever, and then the Hulk had to kick his ass. Remember you, that? You 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 know I don't like superhero movies. You know I don't watch superhero. Movies. Well, the Hulk doesn't count as one of the Marvel movies. It's in it's in the Marvel universe, but I, I wouldn't count it. This is this is all going right over my head, by the way. Okay. Well, there's a bad guy who takes <laughs> this weird serum thing and then turns into like this crazy monster. I mean, I guess he gets stronger, but like he also becomes way worse, right? <laughs> kind of what Missouri did, except they're not yes. as strong. I'll I'll, I'll, I'll go. I'll go with that. Yes. Okay. Uh, moving on to the next set of games. We. We've got five seed Creighton against twelve seed UC Santa Barbara and four seed Virginia against thirteen Ohio, and this is one we talked about in our first episode where you know really both of these have the potential to be first round upsets. John, I, I want you to I want you to do kind of an on your honor thing right now. Uh, don't go on your computer, no googling. I want you to take a guess. What do you think a gaucho is? <sighs> is it a dragon? It sounds like a dragon to me. It's not a dragon. Okay. A gaucho is a skilled horseman reputed to be brave and unruly. 
a horse and so I, some like South American pampas. Damn, I would never have guessed that. No, I wouldn't have either. That's uh, that's kind of a that's kind of a Big Ten stat of the day kind of deal. Is that is that something you googled after our episode last night? You just had to know. One thousand <laughs> percent. I need to know what gauchos are. What do you, I mean? Really? I mean, are you talking about a game between a gaucho and a blue jay? Come on. Gauchos are winning for sure. Yeah, yeah. Gauchos are winning. You're, you're not intimidated by a blue jay. No, no. Blue jays are beautiful and they sing. Don't don't blue jays sing? They fly and they sing and they sit on trees and stuff. And you're like, oh, that's cute. Gaucho's riding his horse at you. You're like, oh shit, I'm out of here. He's probably got like a lasso too. He's gonna try and rope you. Probably he gets in probably like a gang and he like joins. Uh, uh, who's the guy who would like rob all the trains and stuff? The, the big cowboy who would rob all. The do you think? Do you, do you think the characters on Red Dead Redemption are gauchos? Probably. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Okay. Butch, I'm intimidated. Butch, Butch Cassidy. You know, Butch Cassidy is probably put probably like one of put, put the gauchos through to the final four already. They're in. Absolutely. Final four. We we don't need to talk about this one anymore. Um, Although, hey, now, you know the as a gaucho is running up against a cavalier, I still think the gaucho is better. I, I think Ohio is going to win, so it's not going to happen anyway. Oh, yeah. okay. Which, get into that. Break that down. And and Ohio, they're the Bobcats. A Bobcat can rip, rip your face off. Bobcats are sweet. Yeah. So, Ohio, they're going to make it through to the Sweet 16. And moving on, uh, we got USC against the winner of Wichita State and Drake. And as well as Kansas against Eastern Washington. Um, do you see one of these 11 seeds making much noise here? Here, here's the question that I would have with that. When you're filling out brackets, you when you pick those play-in games, do you actually pick the play-in game? Or do you just pick, like if you were to pick a play-in team to win, do you just double pick it? And you say, either way, Drake or Wichita State, they're winning the game kind of thing. Like, you know, in years past. I did with Michigan State UCLA. Yeah, I did too. I did with Michigan State UCLA. If it, if I mean, if it is one or like, if I'm like not sure about UCLA winning that second game, I would wait to see who actually plays in that game. Ooh, okay, um, okay, because you can't do that. I think you have till Thursday or Friday when the actual games start to fill it out. Yeah. yeah. Well, here, um, big, big, big news for Drake is that uh, the news is that Shenquan Hempel, apparently his yes. nickname is Tank. Which uh, talk about all all name team. Uh, if your nickname is Tank, I, th- I think they just call him Quan. By the way, I think they call him Quan. Okay, I think he's also got a nickname yes. Tank. So if you get to be called Tank Quan Hempel, does he have a lot left in the tank for this game? Good. Well, I mean, his tank should be pretty full after sitting out the last like month being injured. Uh, so yeah, I think just with all that stuff you just said, I think Drake will win this game against Wichita State. Um, they could test USC. Um, Evan Mobley is their best player, probably a top top five draft pick this coming year. Um, I guess I don't know how good the Drake bigs are. Have you seen much of the Drake bigs? No, I mean they're they're not, and this is kind of what you run into a lot of times with with most mid majors is that you know they're they don't have great bigs, and USC is like I mean, basketball as a whole, right, is kind of downsizing over the last five years. It seems like we're getting more and more guards on the floor. Guys are getting smaller. USC, uh, talk, you mm-hmm. want to talk about Gonzaga and the region? USC decided to zag when everyone else is zigging. They're huge. I mean, they are massive. I mean, yep. their guards are big. Their bigs are big. Uh, and Evan Mobley is is kind of the headliner because he's one of the best freshmen in the country. But the other Mobley brothers, pretty pretty solid. He's not a not a great scorer, but he's a but he's a key. Yeah, are they player. are they twins or no? I was just about to ask if they're twins, but I see one's a sophomore, one's a freshman, so probably not. They are they are brothers though. 
Um, and, then, and then the other big guy yes, for them is, is solid too. So, so they come at you with a ton um, of stuff. I, I think I think USC probably has the the advantage there um, over either one of them. Yeah, and then Kansas on the other side, and I you know I think they're still dealing with those COVID issues, Bigs. And you know we talked about last night about. If we were to pick a team to go through to that second weekend out of these playing games, it was between that Michigan State UCLA game. But considering Kansas's COVID issues, what if it is Wichita State or Drake that can make it to the second or the second weekend? That's a that's a great point. Um, Kansas, you know, who is the, that's where maybe COVID is like, hey, we're losing, but we're going to take a couple of you with us. Um, yeah, we're going to take those annoying Jayhawks fans out of here. Yeah, bummer. Um, but yeah, you're right. If Kansas, I mean, Kansas is down their front court. I don't know what the status is going to be with uh, McCormick, David McCormick. They're starting big, and then Jalen Wilson, kind of their their four. You take their two front court starters out of the mix, and um, you got Mitch Lightfoot. After that, he's only averaging three points per game. He's yeah, really that's, their I mean, only that's other the thing with, with Kansas like on their, in their have, rotation. Yeah, and, and in a lot of years, you know, it's like okay, you take out our big man. Oh, we'll just plug in another four or five star big to come in and start, and then our guards will probably just step it up and, and kick ass. They don't have that really. I mean, they're 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 just kind of a solid team that that really needs all five guys kind of clicking. They've got a lot of balance. I don't know if I don't right. know if their guards are yep. are horses enough to step it up, and you know, I don't know if Oshai Abaji can get you. You know, he's a 14 point a game guy. Well, with all your two, with all your two big guys, can he can he get you 22 a game in the first two games to get you through to get your big guys back into the tournament? I don't know. You know, I, I don't know if they've got enough. I don't, I don't think he's that. I don't think he's the take over a game type player. I don't think he's no, a take, take. He's not. And Marcus Garrett is a, is a terrific defensive kind of point guard. We love him kind of for all of the all of the quote unquote little things he does. But his game isn't his right. game isn't take it over. You know, going to get your buckets either. Now Kansas can win probably like 49-45 or something in a first round game maybe. I mean their, their defense is terrific. But you do wonder if you run into one of those teams that where the talent gap isn't as wide, does that catch up to them? You know, even more now when Kansas isn't as is is even less talented than a typical Kansas outfit. So I do think they're vulnerable. Yeah. So yeah, look out for that. I don't know, maybe a USC, Wichita State, or a Drake possibly upsetting Kansas in that second round. We say this. Uh, and and moving on to the last little. Uh, you know if Kansas goes to the Final Four. Not very. Not very. Yeah, neither would I. Not very. It would annoy me. Except I do. Th- yeah, not. That's all I got. Uh, moving on to the last little mini tournament from this region, we got seven seed Oregon, who's sort of your little darling here, going against VCU as well as Iowa, the, the team with Luca Garza as well as you know what seems like 73 different shooters playing Grand Canyon. Yeah, I think I, I, I tend to think I'm probably overlooking VCU a little bit. I think Oregon, I, I like this Oregon team a lot. I love Damon, Dana Altman in the tournament. It seems like his teams always do well. They're always tough outs in the tournament. And, you know, it just, it just feels like no matter what, they, they do well in the tournament, whether they're seeded. You know, a couple of years ago, they were like a 12 seed and they got to the Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight, I think. They, you know, they've had runs where they get to the final four of the Elite Eight as, as one and two seeds. I mean, they've gone deep. It seems like a lot. More often than not, they're really good in the tournament because Altman is is so uh, malleable. They, they can play. They can kind of switch up their defenses from man and zone and really, really mess you up. And they, I think the seven seed is – I think they're really under as a seven seed. And 
they're just getting healthy with all their guys kind of coming back. Will Richardson missed a ton of time. He was one of their better players or was supposed to be one of their kind of better players in all conference caliber guy at the beginning of the year. And he missed a ton of time. So he's back now and they look, they look good. And I, I think they're going to be, they're going to be really dangerous. And I think they can pose a matchup problem with Iowa. I think Garza, nobody, I mean, very few teams have, at least outside the big 10 have bigs that can, that can really slow him down. But I think Oregon's got the athletes that can really give Iowa guards a hard time. And my only pause with Oregon, you know, they're I'm looking at their non-con schedule, and it's it's not good. Like I, no, it's not great. You know, I think their best win from what I best win I'm seeing right here is probably their Colorado. Yeah, you can, probably. Yeah, Colorado is probably their UCLA. best win this season. Yeah, their best non-conference opponent was probably Missouri, who they lost to by eight yep. points. Um, and then you think about Iowa, and I remember texting you this. I was watching Iowa early on in the year because when I think of Iowa, I think of Luca Garza, and I just thought it was going to be pound the ball into him. I didn't know how many shooters they had, and you just Jordan Bohan and their point guard Joe Wieskamp. I mean Wieskamp, you hear that name, you just know it's going to be a shooter. Um, CJ Frederick, CJ Frederick, too. Shooter. That's a shooter's name. Yeah, yeah, and so. Oh, so I guess I don't know. I think Iowa's gonna make it through from this little set of teams. Um you know, they they score a lot of points, they get up in your face, and uh, you know, Luca Garza is is probably second in the voting for national player of the year as well. So I got Iowa. Yeah, I mean it's, don't get me wrong, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see Iowa go on a on a lengthy run just because you're right, they can really put it on you in ways that that Oregon hasn't seen. I mean, nobody in the Pac twelve can come really comes close to the kind of offense that Iowa can, can march out onto the floor. And, you know, I was talking about how they, they like to mix up kind of their man and zone. Uh, you go zone against Iowa, they'll, they'll probably pick you apart. So yep. they, I mean, they're dangerous. No question about it. They've got, you know, the bevy of shooters. They've got good depth as well. Even with Jack Nungy going down with an injury. I mean, that just, that just probably forced you to play Garza more, yep. which is actually probably not a good thing. If you're the opponent, you don't want to see Garza playing 36 minutes a game. Yeah because he'll just he'll wear you out so yeah I mean I wouldn't be yep. surprised by that I, I really like this Oregon team but I I mean I think that could be that could potentially be one of the best games of the first weekend if those two teams get get together in that second round yeah hopefully it happens um let's go over the top right bracket here Biggs and we will start off with uh Baylor Hartford the 160 matchup as well as North Carolina versus Wisconsin the 8-9 um you know I don't know what the number ex- I don't know what the number exactly is now, but I know Roy Williams has never lost a first round tournament game. I think it's about thirty and zero. Um, but I know you think that Wisconsin could pull off the upset here. Yeah, I mean, I guess Which I just it I isn't much of an upset. I wouldn't consider it even an upset. I mean, I think Wisconsin actually, if you look at like ESPN's kind of BPI projections, I believe Wisconsin's like a fifty six percent to win that game for for whatever that's worth. Um, I mean, they're, they're both, they're both like flawed, you know, when at their best, they both look really good. And at their worst, they both look like they're setting basketball back for a while. So it, you know, who knows? You're right about old Roy though. He does, he does not, he does not have that big blemish kind of first round black mark upset on his resume. So not that a lot, not a lot, not that a first round loss to a nine seed as an eight seed would be, would count as that, but you're right that he, he generally has good enough success in the tournament where, you know, that, what's that worth? And in North Carolina, you know, we were talking about how nobody really has a big guy outside the Big Ten that can contend with Garza. 
nobody in the country probably has big guys that, you know, the, the waves of big guys that Carolina can throw at you, especially with Walker Kessler really yep. emerging here lately. Um, and the Wisconsin big guys. Have yeah, and really that's really the only way. Cause, well, that's really the only way North Carolina was able to keep that game against Iowa earlier in the year close because they basically just went, went with the attitude of we have four bigs. We're going to use those 20 fouls against Garza. Yeah, and they, and they slowed them down in that game. But uh, the shooters really got to them. And, and Wisconsin doesn't yep. got a particularly great outside shooting team. They got some dangerous perimeter guys who can get hot. With Davison can, Davison's yeah, Davison weird. Can knock down a few He's weird. He shoots like 25% charges. from the three-point line. But he also has shown he just had a couple games ago where he popped off and he knocked down like five or six of them in one game. So um, yeah. you know what you're getting with Wisconsin, even if they're not particularly shooting the ball well, they're going to take care of the ball. They don't turn it over. They're going to play a really slow pace, and they're going to they're going to grind on defense. This Carolina team, actually, though, I mean, their identity we like we associate Carolina with kind of flash, right, and playing fast and and bludgeoning you with big guys. Their defense has actually been exceptional in the last like month. I believe they're like a top ten, yep. top fifteen kind of Ken Palm defense over the last like couple of weeks. They they play good defense, and they showed in the ACC tournament they can lock you up. You know, against Virginia Tech, their defense was really good and kind of that read and react offense that that the Hokies run in Wisconsin from a similar vein. They don't really have a lot of high screen to roll kind of isolation type guys. It's more of a, you know, the swing. It's, it's getting it's getting guys involved with the ball movement and cutting. If they can shut that down, um, you know, they've got a great chance. I, I think it, it could be an interesting game in terms if, if North Carolina can speed the game up and get their big – it comes down to their big guys. Everybody talks about how their big guys are so good, and they are, but – Sometimes their big guys play like shit, and sometimes they just they're not active enough. I don't think. Um, you know, I'm biased because I'm a Carolina fan, and yeah. so are you. But when their yeah. big guys Should we play, just get that out of the way. Like, yeah, to 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 our loyal listeners. Sorry. Yeah, to, to both of our to both of our loyal um, listeners, uh, they know we're Carolina fans. Yes. And, you know, and I'm from Minnesota, so yes. Um, so. <laughs> So if you're if you're ever listening to us and you're wondering why like we know much more about North Carolina than any other team, there's a reason for that. Um, but let's go back to Baylor Biggs because this is a team they have just you know really five great guards on their team. They got you know starters Davion Mitchell, Jared Butler, and Masio Teague. Jared Butler just announced as an All American, um, and they just come at you with waves and just. Up in your face defense can score points. Um, I think North Carolina. I, 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 out, think, I think North Carolina has a better chance between those two to upset Butler or Butler Baylor in the second round, but I just don't see it happening. Do you do you think so? I I have a hard. I just watching North Carolina and watching Wisconsin. I get. I mean, North Carolina's guards are are horrendous. And yes, but they have so much more size than Baylor, and they're just gonna. I think they're if they play, they're gonna get a lot of offensive boards and it's just wondering it's just whether or not they can get more offensive boards and putbacks than the number of turnovers that they have yeah I, I guess I, I tend to think I tend to think Wisconsin has a better chance in that second round game to, to grind one out and I think there's more potential with their guards to like knock down enough shots I, I think I wrote something in my in my piece on, on kind of the Kemba candidate thing where I had Demetri Trice in there and just by nature of the way Wisconsin plays they're going to be in every game, it's going to be tight 36 yep. minutes into the game. And, and so many tournament games are decided by that four minute stretch where one team kind of goes on the, the 12 0 run or the, or the 10 to two run. Right. And, and it's a six point game at the end because of that run. I tend to think Wisconsin is going to, they've got more 
more ability to keep the game close for like 36 minutes. And then it really just comes down to like that four minute stretch where can they, can they win like a four minute stretch? I, I have less faith that North Carolina can do mm-hmm. it just because I, I, I've seen their offense just go into the absolute shitter for real, for longer than four minute stretches. It seems like there are times where they just cannot score. And, and I, I actually think Baylor's got pretty yeah. good big guys. Um, Mark Vital's a beast. Uh, your guy, Double T, Jonathan Chamwachachua, is a, a load inside. They've got a big guy yes. named Flo Tomba. That's Real talk, his name is Flo. That's a crazy name. That's awesome. Yeah. What, what, is it Geico who has a Flo? Yeah, that's right. There is a Geico guy named Flo, or a yeah. girl named Flo. Okay. She's less of a big deal now. It seems like yeah. that, that's hey, that another weird guy now. Yeah, I don't know. If, if, is Flo even on those anymore? I don't know. I feel like she's become kind of like she started out as Robin, and now she's like – or no, she started out as Batman, and now she's like – really, really dropped off. And now she's like Alfred the Butler or something. Cause I, I feel like I still see her every once in a while, but yeah. she's nowhere near as prominent because there's that weird guy. And it's just like, sometimes with these commercials, like I'd love to be just a fly on the wall. Well, He's such a quirky character. Everyone loves him. Do they? I see. I, I think he's ridiculous. I don't know. Like I'd love to just, I'd love to be a fly. <laughs> you don't on the wall like him. I love commercial him. production meetings. And they're like, listen, I've got an idea here. Let's get this guy who makes phone calls to his future self telling him about guy calling. And then he just like, and people just like slowly kind of do like the slow clap. You're like, I don't know. I just don't. <laughs> weird. Anyway, I, I think Baylor's the best team in the country. I know they. All have, right, let's get back on track, picks. <laughs> yeah, I know Baylor hasn't looked like the best team in the country here lately because, in large part, because of that defense has not been nearly as as staunch, and, and their shooting numbers have kind of come back a little bit. Um, I I just can't quit them though. I, I think I've seen too much of Baylor that I'm gonna. Maybe pick them to go one round too far, which is, you know, possible. Um, let's move on to the next set of teams here. We got five Villanova, twelve Winthrop, um, four Purdue, and thirteen North Texas. Which Biggs? I have a trivia question for you. Okay. Uh, North Texas team nickname. What is it? The Mean Green. Oh, good you job. Yes, the Mean that. Green. Does that, does that intimidate you? Does that intimidate you though? If you were reseeding the bracket one through sixty-eight only based on like team mascots, where would the mean, mean green's got to be a one seed, right? <sighs> Maybe two seed at worst. Good ones. I mean, there's obviously the Gauchos. I'm just gonna click through some this yeah. file here. You can keep talking while I click through this. Okay, I I, I do think I, I'm intrigued by that one too. The North Texas Purdue game because there's something about Purdue that just feels upsettable. I know they, they played in the Big Ten, so like obviously they're not gonna like be intimidated by a North Texas team coming out of the coming out of the uh, Conference USA. But North Texas plays terrific defense. They're gonna play games in the half court, they're gonna slow things down. So is Purdue. So it, it, it kind of comes down to as cliche as it as it is, you know, guys being able to kind of create offense in the half court. Purdue is really young. They got a bunch of freshmen. I know they got a big guy in Travion Williams who is who's a load. I think you can I, I think my stance on some of these really good big guys is you just kind of go, don't send doubles. That's what these teams with good big guys want. Iowa wants you to send double teams at Luca Garza so they can get all these wide open shooters, wide open threes, and pour 90 on you with, with 17 made threes like Caroline. Purdue, I think, wants a lot of the same. They want Travion Williams drawing double teams so they can kick it to a bevy of guys who could shoot like Stefanovic and, and Eric Hunter and some of these other guys. I, I just think if you can, you can limit their guard. Their guards don't scare me much. I think North Texas has kind of great length and, and size on their perimeter. Um, they're not, they're going to give up something on the inside, but I think their defensive style can keep that game close. And, and I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I, I think that's going to be like a, it's going to be tight for like a 36 minutes. I feel like, and it's going to come down to which team can kind of 
spurt their way to like a four minute win. I can see that happening. Or Purdue's going to yeah, win. No, I see that too. Um, it's never going to be interesting. Yeah, my main takeaway from these four teams is I think Purdue's going to beat Winthrop in the second round. Um, but more importantly, Biggs, I scrolled through all these t- team nicknames. I have a top five. All right. And so obviously, we got the Mean Green we just talked about. There's the Ramblers from Loyola Chicago. Big fan. There's the there's the Bonnies from St. Bonaventure. My wife likes that. Which I, which I feel like people just threw in the towel when they were coming up with that nickname. Probably the Bonaventure Bonnies, like we. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, exactly. We have the Antelopes. Was that Grand Canyon? I think that's Grand yeah, Canyon. they might yep. be. Well, the Grand Canyon be. Antelopes. Wow. And then definitely. your your favorite one. This is probably the number one overall seed is the Gauchos. Yeah, Gauchos are definitely the number one seed, right? I mean, they, they got to be. Iona. Uh, are they the Gales. Oh yeah, that's the Gales. Cheap. That's one I missed. Nah, that's, that, that, that's a two seed. Maybe. Yeah, I agree. I agree. What about the Spartan? Yeah. The UNC Greensboro Sp- Spartans. Like when I think when I'm scrolling through these to find a good team nickname, I'm just looking for ones I've never heard of before. Spartans right. I've heard of. All That's the time. true. Everyone Especially knows. Especially when we we have two different Spartans. We have UNC Greensboro and Michigan State. And, and we've got Greece. You know, like King Leonidas Spartans. You know, Sparta fighting against. Oh, uh, you know. I didn't think of that. Yes, yes, yes. Um, let's let's get back on track here, Biggs. We have okay. Texas Tech versus Utah State and Arkansas versus Colgate. And we talked about this game, the Arkansas Colgate yesterday. And this is one of those games where it's going to be up and down. You might throw out your neck, you know, maybe have a chiropractor appointment for, for next Monday so you can get that repaired. But the other game, Texas Tech, Utah State. Um, what do you think of this one? I, I think this is really intru- – this is a fun little four-team kind of bracket that we're breaking down because as as fast and aesthetically pleasing as as I think a lot of people think Arkansas Colgate's going to be, uh, it's almost the complete 180 well, with Texas Tech, Utah State. I'm anticipating like a disgusting kind of rock fight with those two teams because they're both just uber physical, uh, tough on defense. They both rebound at a really high rate, and, and both of them can can get stuck in the mud a little bit offensively. So I, I really I'm intrigued. I, I kind of enjoy that's one of my favorite things about college basketball is that so many different styles can win, you know, and, and so many different teams. It's so much about these clashes of this yin and yang kind of stylistic kind of battles. Um, a second round matchup it, with one one team that's going to want to play fast and one team that's going to want to just pound the hell out of you inside. It's going to be really interesting. I, I think in yeah. that game, I mean, it's hard to go against Texas Tech just because uh, Chris Beard is is really good and Texas Tech has has a little more juice I think on the perimeter and and I tend to devalue being able the ability to just pound people inside like Utah State's been able to do in the Mountain West. I don't think they're going to do that against Texas Tech uh, because even though Texas Tech doesn't really have a lot of mm-hmm. height, they've got a lot of just girth. Uh, and I've been told girth is actually more important than height and length. <sighs> My dog has been out there just peeing in the house. That little fucker. Wow, that's disappointing. <laughs> anyway. Girth is more important than height and length. So um, I tend to think Texas Tech's got the advantage. So you're talking about those contra- contrasting styles of bigs. And, you know, if you look at their points per game, Texas Tech 73, Utah State 70 in one matchup. Arkansas 82, Colgate 86 in the other matchup. So there's a double-digit discrepancy right there. Yeah, yeah, ex- exactly. That's what I'm saying. And I think it's going to be really interesting. I, I tend to think... You know, once you get into these tournament games where teams are, are really high quality, the talent gap isn't as wide, especially in kind of a second-round matchup. It's a lot easier. I've always said it's easier to slow a team down than it is to speed them up. 
So if you get Texas Tech or Utah State in a matchup, I, I mean most most people, you got Arkansas beating Colgate, right? Yeah. It's hard to it's hard to pick against Arkansas right now. They're playing so well. I mean, let's just assume it it stays the chalk. It's tough to go against those dentists, though. That's that's so true. My teeth my teeth could use a cleaning. You know, to be <laughs> honest with you, a matchup with Texas Tech though could very well. I mean, Arkansas really could go through kind of the, the you know they they got to be Colgate, and then a, a game against Texas Tech though is kind of like like an hour long uh, you know root canal. So teeth. You know, there's some sort of tooth meme in there. There's some sort of but tooth you get to watch Mac, to make it. You get to watch Mac McClung, though, just gliding down, and his hang time is ridiculous. It is. And I think getting out of the Big 12 will allow him to be at his McClungiest. So I think uh, there there is some – Yeah, it's funny you mention that because they've actually they, – they've lost five of their last eight also. So they've been, going, they've been going downhill a little bit. But those five games, West Virginia, three seed. Kansas, three seed. Oklahoma State, four seed. Baylor one seed, obviously Texas three seed. So it's been against tough matchups. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know they're. I mean, on one hand, they're they're really battle tested. On the other, they've experienced a lot of losing. So I, I guess I don't I don't know how to quantify that exactly. But I, my eyes tell me Texas Tech is is better than Utah State. I would love to see them play against Arkansas. I think that'd be a really fun kind of clash of styles and and two coaches that. That, that you really have to respect with Musselman and, and, and Chris Beard. So that's that's the way I see that one going. I don't really see a lot of upsets as much as I like Utah State. All right, let's get to the to the last one, Biggs. We got seven-seed Florida versus 10-seed Virginia Tech, as well as two-seed Ohio State against 15 Oral Roberts. And Florida's an interesting team. You know, they obviously had that adversity early on in the year with Keontae Johnson collapsing. And to my knowledge, his basketball career, I don't think, I think it's basically over. But, you know, what they've been able to accomplish this year, Trey Mann's really stepped up. He's averaging 15 points per game. Um, their big man, Colin Castleton, adds in t- 12. Um, it's honestly been a little surprising that they've still been able to weather the storm this year and get to a seven seed. Yeah, they. I mean, they're, they always, they always kind of just seem solid enough that they're going to get in the tournament. And, you know, this year especially, I, I don't know how much juice they got. Trey Mann's been a really, really nice breakout kind of sophomore for them. Castleton's been yep. solid, you're right. How much of this, though, is that the SEC just isn't all that good? Yeah, um, it could be. You know, not that the ACC is exactly murderer's row either. I think there's there's plenty of reason to kind of doubt Virginia Tech, especially with their last month. They played like three games, you know? Yeah, um, but they do they do get Tyrese Radford back to add to uh, the Wofford transfer, Kebe Aluma. Yeah, Radford, um, so they do have, Radford was, yeah, was terrific in that UNC game, too. I mean, he was yeah. he was a beast. He's, he's just kind of a special. They, they're just so thick you know i mean they've got big physical guards um i i i i think vatex better i think i give them the edge i don't know i don't remember who's the seven and who's the ten but i i think vatex a little better but yeah it's a seven ten matchup man you can go either way and then the other thing with virginia tech so i think they came into the acc tournament as a three seed but a lot of people are complaining because they had some covid cancellations and they missed out on playing Florida State, Louisville, and UNC. So people are wondering, like, how much did that benefit them and their win the percentage from just not having to play them? Right, right. You probably go one and two in those games, maybe. You, yeah, you like it's different. It's different if you're missing the games against, you know, Boston College compared to, you know, the three I just mentioned. Are you slandering Boston College right now? Yes. Okay. Yeah, they suck. So it's fair. <laughs> their whole team basically uh, transferred. So there's that. But uh, well, did you see Penn State? I think their whole starting five is transferring this year. Yeah, six guys, I think, actually. Yeah, I saw that today. Yeah. Six guys under in the portal. Portal got crowded. Yeah. Do, you, 
Do you think they're looking for any uh, five, six, 30-year-old guys who can shoot the three? Do you want to be a Nittany Lion? I mean, it's not the worst. That's true. Where is Penn State again? It's in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Oh, okay. Thanks. I'm pretty <laughs> sure it's in like some sort of just a complete nowhere town, though. I mean, wouldn't you a rather live in Fargo? That's where it's happening. Yeah, true. Yeah. I mean, if they gave me a call, I would I would try out. Just go shoot a few threes. I mean, they wouldn't play. say no. Um, let's see. The other matchup, the last matchup of this first round in this uh in this region is Ohio State versus Oral Roberts. I think Ohio State's better. They're the two seed. Oral Roberts is the 15 seed. Generally, 15s don't beat twos very often, especially when True. you're not uh, Florida Gulf Coast playing against Georgetown and you've got Dunk City. No, Oral Roberts, you mentioned they've got a couple of really solid, like, scorer-type guys. Um, Max Abmus is, is, is one of the, you know, he's a guard that could kind of capture the could capture the hearts of the country for, like, is he the, the nation's leading goal? scorer, by the way? I think he's the nation's leading scorer at 20. He's up there, points. yeah. What does he have? I mean, he's popped off for 40, I know, multiple times uh, during yeah. the season. So, I mean, they've got they've got kind of interesting high-level talent that can maybe kind of close that gap. But we're talking about a 15 versus a 2 here. I think Ohio yeah, State. Yeah, Max Abmus is the nation's leading scorer at 24.2 points per game. So, might be a fun game to watch. I mean – why not? Or Ohio State, like they're a two seed, but I I don't see them as a title contender necessarily. No, I, I I think we talked about this made this point you know about Oral Roberts before, and that I I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think they're going to win, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if when you're watching uh, you know the five twelve game or the six eleven game or whatever game you're watching while Ohio State or Oral Roberts is playing, and, and you look up into your into the corner of your TV screen and you're looking at you know the scores because they got them running on the wire. And it's blinking at you that Oral Roberts is up six at halftime. And it's like, ooh, okay, the perch up a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're, they're good enough to do that. But I think Ohio State would be a pretty big upset. All right, Biggs, let's get into the next region. It's the bottom right region, the Illinois region. But first, there's something I do want to touch on. So everything that we've recorded up to this point was done, you know, Tuesday night. And it's now Wednesday night. We're doing the remainder of this. And in between those two recordings, it was actually released that – one of Oklahoma's guards, Davion Harmon, is actually out for this weekend. Um, he's the guy. He's their shooting guard, really. He sort of plays second fiddle to Austin Reeves. And Biggs, that's going to be a pretty big uh, – they're going to be missing a pretty big piece there, aren't they? Yeah, it's big for Oklahoma. I mean, a team that's that certainly didn't need more bad news. I mean, they've been going in the wrong direction. The only – I mean, since, since early February, they've really only got a couple of wins. They've lost like five in a row, and they've lost like – like, they lost to Kansas State, and I think their only real win is like Iowa State a couple of times. I mean, they're not they're not trending in the right direction here. So, and that hurts you. You lose Harmon, who's probably what like their second or third kind of guy. So, uh, heavier workload is going to be on Austin Reeves now. So, oofta. That's true. So yeah. So for anyone who's already filled out their bracket, maybe want to reconsider that pick if you have picked Oklahoma. Um, but yeah. So let's hop into this. Uh, this bottom right region and start with the top quarter of the bracket with the one six matchup Illinois versus Drexel, as well as the eight nine matchup Loyola Chicago against Georgia Tech. And Big's Loyal Chicago or not Loyal Chicago, but Georgia Tech has been trending upwards lately. They've been playing very well lately. They actually won their ACC tournament, got a big win against Florida State. Do you think this team is could they get a sweet sixteen berth here? I would say so if they didn't have to play. I mean, if they're gonna if they're gonna do it, they're gonna have to beat 
two top 10 Ken Palm teams. I mean, Loyola Chicago got horrendously poorly, like a kind of screwed on the seed line, getting a, getting an eight seed. Like they're a top 10 team at Ken Palm. They got the number one defensive efficiency in the country and just get no respect because of, because of their playing because of the conference they play in. That's a really, really good team. And, um, I wouldn't be surprised if if that team won. In fact, I, I think I kind of expect Chicago to win the game. But if Georgia Tech does oh, yeah. win, okay, you beat a top 10 Ken Palm team, and now you get, oh, hey, guess what? Now you get to play Illinois, the hottest team in the country besides Gonzaga. That's tough. Yeah, and that matchup between Moses Wright and uh, Cameron Crutwig is going to be a big one. You know, everything sort of runs through Crutwig for Loyola Chicago. But at the same time, you know, Moses Wright is the ACC player of the year this year, and he's got probably a better supporting cast as well. He does have a good supporting cast. I mean, Alvarado is kind of Jose Alvarado. Their their lead guard is kind of a kind of the engine or kind of the, the straw that stirs the drink, whatever cliche you want to throw in there. He's been he was terrific in the ACC tournament as well, and just kind of a, a gritty kind of grinder, uh, you know, type guy. And I think he was the defensive player in the ACC. They they kind of mopped up on the ACC awards with those two guys. And then, I mean, frankly, I think Pastner probably yep. deserves Coach of the Year too. Um, so yeah, I mean they're yeah. they're certainly a really good. They probably got underseeded too. You win the ACC tournament, you get a nine seed. That's that's odd, you know. I mean, that's a it's unfortunate that that has to be a first round game. I think it has probably the makings of maybe the most intriguing first round game, uh, or definitely one of them. Definitely one of them to watch. It could be, you know. Um, how I mean, I I think I tend to think Georgia Tech probably has a better chance of beating Illinois because of kind of the pieces you just mentioned. If it were just kind of a random one-off game, and they have a, they have a little more fire firepower, I feel too. I, I think so too. I think they have a little more juice, um, but at the same time, I it's kind of one of those where I don't know if they beat Loyola Chicago to get to that second round matchup. So that's kind of the hard thing about the tournament. Sometimes when you right. make these picks, it's like you have to pick one game at a time. John, it happens one game at a time. It does. You can't just fast forward to the final four. You have to take things one game at a time. That's what coaches no. always tell us. So. You have to win that first game before you can play the second game. That's that's what that's what like John Madden would have said that you know he got a video game. All right, right, Biggs, let's go to the next quarter of this bracket. We got number five Tennessee against number twelve Oregon State and number four Oklahoma State versus thirteen Liberty. And Oregon State's one of those sort of bid stealing teams. They were they were not going to make it unless if they won the Pac twelve tournament, which they did. Do you think that they could beat Tennessee this first round? The team that you sort of coined the frolanteers i mean why not they just they just went through uh they just went through three tournament teams in three consecutive days through the pac-12 being ucla oregon and colorado all three teams are probably every bit as good as tennessee right yeah could be um no there's the other the other side of that coin is like does that magic just kind of i mean at some point the clock has to the proverbial clock strikes midnight on on cinderella's little run and I mean, this Oregon State team was like fifth in the Pac-12 for a reason. They're not, you know, they're, they're just they're they're a flawed team. They're not great. So I would yeah, pick they the rely frolic. on two guys to really score all their points. Yeah, so I mean, like I, I'd pick I'm picking the Frolanteers. You know, I, I don't I don't love them, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know Oregon. I don't really know a ton about Oregon Oregon State to be honest with you, other than just Wayne Tinkle is uh, is the head coach. He was the old Montana coach. You know, we've, we've got friends who love Wayne Tinkle. Tinkle's a terrific name. Biggs, the next matchup, that Oklahoma State versus Liberty. And Liberty is a team who really relies on their defense. They're third in the country, giving up only 59 points per game. And they might have their hands full with uh, with Cade Cunningham in this game. Yeah, I mean, everybody's had their hands full with Cade Cunningham. He's He's been 
absolutely terrific, especially as of late. I mean, he's one of the best players in the country, let alone freshmen in the country. And I mean, he, he was, he's been just, he's been outstanding. Um, you know, not a lot of teams are going to have an answer for Kate Cunningham. And yeah, for Liberty, you know, they got Darius McGee averaging 15 points per game and Chris Parker averaging 10. I think this is going to be a game dominated by the guards. There isn't a ton of big man talent. Like, no big man is going to take over this game, really. So watch for the guards in this game. Yeah, agreed. Liberty, I mean, they've got, I think, you know, everybody wants to, really wants to see that Oklahoma State get to Illinois in that Sweet 16 matchup, right? Everyone wants to see Cunningham against Asumu and, kind of that fun, uh, you know, All-American guard kind of duel. Uh, I, I actually think Liberty poses a better matchup to Oklahoma State than than the Frontiers. Although, to be honest, I actually think yep. the Frontiers could could pose matchup problems too because of their defense is so good. They just don't have enough guys, I don't think, juice offensively. But Liberty, I mean, Liberty can mm-hmm. really score. I mean, they, they, they share the ball. They're one of the best teams in the country when it comes to, like, assist turnover percentage. They average, like, 17 assists a game. Uh, and you look at a sign of a team, for, in my opinion – I really like when you've got three, four different guys that average like multiple assists and they've got that. They don't have one guy that averages like seven and a half or nine, eight assists. You know, they've got four or five guys that average like two to four. And it's, it, it's an equal opportunity kind of democratic mm-hmm. offensive system where a ton of different guys have opportunities. And it's hard to, it's hard to prepare for that kind of thing because you've got four or five different guys that can all make shots and can beat you. That's, that's going to be interesting. I, I, I don't know if they've got the horses, you know, Oklahoma state's definitely got, the athleticism and the, the kind of size advantage, but uh, with the way they play, I mean, Liberty, they, they're, they're generally a, a team that gets to the tournament. They win a ton of games in their league. And there's something to be said about a team that just, they don't lose much, you know? So what's that worth to you? A lot. You want to win, right? That's what you play for. You play to win the game. Thanks for Edwards. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, let's move on to the next quarter here, Biggs. We have San Diego State number six seed against the 11 seed Syracuse and the number three West Virginia and 14 Moorhead State, not from the state of Minnesota. Um, I just don't see much. I mean, I haven't watched a ton of San Diego State. I know West Virginia, they have a good team, you know, score, score a good amount of points, but also give up a lot of points. Um, who do you like out of this little quarter here? I have a very weird bias against like picking against Syracuse in early round tournament games just because they're so their zone is just such a I know everybody thinks it's like, oh just do it. It's a two three zone. We're just gonna get the ball to the middle and then we're gonna we're gonna kick ass, you know? And, and it's like well, they don't let you, you know, and, and it just yeah. doesn't it just doesn't work that way. It's not fifth grade basketball where you just tic tac toe around the perimeter, throw it to the high elbow and and profit. Syracuse is really good at preventing that kind of thing because they're so big. I mean, they go like it, they're so long and there's just not teams around the country and especially in the mountain West that have six, five point guard, six, seven shooting guard, you know, six, nine, small four, a seven foot mm-hmm. big guy and another six, eight guy. It's just teams aren't that big anymore, especially with all the downsizing. I mean, look at San Diego state. They got, they got one big guy and then it's six foot, six, three, six, five, six, six, you know, it's, yep. it's smaller guys. So I do think, I mean, I think San Diego state is, Probably like the better team if they get to play them like a, a seven game series. But Cuse has done this before. It seems like every year now. It seems like a, a tradition now, an annual tradition. They get into the tournament somehow on a weird, some sort of weird reason. I mean, people expect them not to be in the tournament. They get in the tournament as like a 10 or 11 seed. And and they just cause problems for people because of their zone. Um, I don't know. I have a hard yeah, time picking that, against them, you know? Yeah, and then back to Syracuse. You know, they're a team where... Watch out for Buddy Beheim. He's got the ability to go for 30 points 
e- very easily with six, seven three pointers. He's done it a couple times this year, just against North Carolina. I know, and so watch out for him in this game. Yeah, he's dangerous, and that's and that's the thing too is in in these tournament games where they're decided. You know, I'm going to sound like a broken record. They're they're going to be competitive for 35, 36 minutes. Do you have the the Clark Kellogg spurt ability where you know can can one guy knock down enough shots to just kind of break a game open? Just, just to get you a little separation, and, and Beheim can certainly do that. He pops off for 30 points randomly, and and, and you're in trouble if, if the game is played at a half-court kind of snail pace the whole time. Um, now, San Diego State is not to be discounted on the defensive end of the floor. They're, they're one of the best defensive teams in the country, too. So, you know, Beheim could easily as easily go 4 for 17 from the field and score 11 points as he could 35. Um and that's what they're going to – I mean, they're going to have to really lean on their defense because I, I expect – no matter what in this game, I expect it to be like in the 60s. I expect a really low-scoring, grinded-out, mm-hmm. uh, you know, ugly-shooting game. Um, okay, in the last uh, quarter of this region, we have seven Clemson against 10 Rutgers and two Houston against 15 Cleveland State. And, Biggs, I think this te- this game between Clemson and Rutgers might be the, the game that really personifies just – a good start to the season for both teams would have really tailed on or tailed off later on. Yeah. I mean, at one point, I think both these teams had reached up around, I think I know, I know Rutgers got into the top 10, you know, in the, in the early month of the year and uh, in the early month of the season. And then I mean, Clemson, I think got as high as like 12. So, I mean, both these teams at, at really early points of the season were looking very, very good. And I think the, I think the spot where it kind of tailed off a little bit for Rutgers is, is Ron Harper Jr.'s injury. I think he messed up his ankle right. for a little while and maybe he wasn't out a lot of games, but I just, he was, he was never the same guy or he wasn't the same guy for a big stretch of their season. They're playing a little better now. I don't know. I have a little more faith in Rutgers, I think, than Clemson, just because I think they've got a little more offensive punch. Clemson struggles, man. They, they don't score. They don't score real well. And, they're, they're kind of like a diet Virginia and that they're going to have to win basically like in the fifties as well. And I, I think, I, I think I believe in Rutgers to get that done a little bit more than I do Clemson. And then Houston, Cleveland state. I don't expect much out of this game. Houston's a team that not only can they put points on the board, they play great defense. They're second in division one in points per game allowed. And they're led by Quentin Grimes. You know, he transferred over from, from, uh, from Kansas a couple years ago. And yeah, I don't see much, stop in Houston this weekend I think they get through this little quadrant very easily um you have anything to add Biggs no I I mean yeah Houston's legit they've been they've been kind of under the radar all year because they play in the American and the American hasn't been hasn't been what it usually is because Wichita isn't quite as good as they've been Cincinnati's not as good as they've been UConn's out of the league Memphis has kind of been disappointing and all you've all all that's left is Houston just kind of chugging along as, as a really high quality team they're good. Uh, I, I don't know if they've got the offensive punch like later on in the tournament to to beat some really good teams, but you kind of always know what you're getting with them. It doesn't really matter. It's like as long as the jersey is – as long as there's kids putting on those Houston jerseys, it's like they're going to grind your ass off defensively and they're going to just bludgeon people on the offensive glass. Uh, and, and it's uncanny how well they offensive rebound. Even when – I mean, you look at them and they don't have a guy that's taller than about six seven six eight. But they're just junkyard dogs, man. They're just dogs. And they, they just – I think that's going to yeah. be a little too much for Cleveland State. <laughs> All right, so let's go to the last region here. To start off, we got number one, Michigan, playing the winner of Mount St. Mary's versus Texas Southern, as well as LSU versus St. Bonaventure. And these Bonnies are an interesting team to watch. Um, you know, they have all five of their starters average in double figures. And they have uh, 
their center, and I'm probably going to butcher this last name, but it's Osun, Osuni. Osuni. Okay. Osuni. Okay. And sure. he's not going to listen. It's a, <laughs> it's a team that they better hope they don't have get into any foul trouble or uh, have anyone get hurt this game because they're going to need all, all five of those guys because the, their top scorer off the bench is only averaging four points per game. And so, you know, it's a situation where if they have all five of those guys available, they could pull off the, that second round upset against, you know, likely Michigan. Um, yeah. What do you think about that, Biggs? Yeah, I'd agree with you. I mean, they're, I think they're, they're very, they're all juniors, if I'm not mistaken. Every one of their, every one of their starters is a junior, which is, which is interesting enough. They were in the tournament, I know, a couple of years before all those juniors were there and they won a first four matchup. Um, their coach is, is highly regarded out East as, as one of the better coaches in the country. And a lot of people are really surprised he didn't get the Boston college job or they moved, they moved forward with a different candidate before giving him a chance. So uh, I think it's Mark Schmitz. He's, he, he's a really yep. good coach. Um, it, it's going to be a kind of a, an interesting yin and yang kind of matchup because LSU, I mean, you look at LSU and they're, they're the team that wins right away getting off the bus, right? You watch, you, if you watch the layup lines in this game, uh, you're going to say there's, there's no way in hell. LSU isn't going to dominate this game because they have thoroughbreds, you know, athletes that are going to be out there and just they're going to overwhelm them. Um, I, I would I would caution people who would think that, though, because I think St. Bonaventure is really well schooled defensively. They, they play slow and it's always easier to slow teams down than it is to speed them up. They've got experienced guards. So I don't think they're going to be overwhelmed by by that kind of moment. And I think that one's another one of those really, really, really good first round matchups. And I think either one of those teams gives Michigan. Yep. Uh, a pretty good game. Yeah. And not trying to take anything away from LSU. They actually have, you know, we talked St. Bonaventure, all five guys in double figures. LSU has their top three guys above 15 points per game. They've got uh, Cameron Thompson, their shooting guard, at 22. They've got uh, Trenton Wofford, sort of the man in the middle there, at 16. And Javante Smart, their point guard, at 15 points per game. So they have a lot of firepower, too. The only difference is their fifth and sixth guys are averaging four and four basically points per game so they rely mostly on four guys for what i can tell they really just run a six-man rotation so they could get winded very easily um but i suppose that's fine that they're playing st bonaventure who you know really tries to slow down the game so maybe that won't matter for lsu yeah i mean that that's that's definitely possible lsu ranks fifth in the country in offensive efficiency if you if you're one of the kids who really just wants to watch teams go score lsu is a team to watch they rank 125th in the country on defense and defensive efficiency. Uh, so people are going to be out here getting buckets. Uh, they're not hard to score on, and there's no mm-hmm. real reason for it because if you look at them, they're 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 all those cliches. You know, they're they're long and athletic. You know, they've got these big physical guards who just look. They've got NBA talent, like you said. Cameron Thomas can be probably a first round pick in the NBA draft. Trenton Watford is is a potential uh, top probably 45 pick in the NBA draft. I mean, they, these guys are NBA level players, but they don't play any defense. They give up a hundred points per hundred possessions. And I, I wonder if that bites them. They do have, you're right. The high end guys and Javante smarts a really good point guard, but they don't defend the way they should, man. So I, I tend to think, I think St. Bonaventure can get them. So let's move on to the next little quarter here. We got number five, Colorado versus 12 Georgetown. Another one of those bid stealers out of the big East. And we've got number four, Florida state versus number 13, UNC Greensboro. And a player to keep an eye on that is sort of not as well known is that Isaiah Miller from UNC Greensboro, averaging 19 points per game. But it's going to be interesting to see how he plays this game because Florida State's a team that just 
throw a lot of different guys at you. We've talked about it before. They run one center, and then every other guy is basically a one through four. It's almost like having a LeBron James, but you have eight of them. They can just play all those positions. Yeah, cut that up. The Florida State has eight LeBron Jameses on their roster. So, uh, yeah, fourth, fourth seed Florida State with eight LeBrons against uh, UNC Greensboro and the Millers. That's uh, <laughs> that'll be that'll be interesting. You know, um, I'm just talking about like not having many like. They just have many different positions. All those guys can play. Yeah, they do. I mean, you you just you look at Florida State, and they've got to be the biggest team in the country, right? I mean, yeah. MJ Walker is like their their lead guard. He's like six five, like two fifteen. He's massive. You've got you know uh, Raekwon Gray, who's like six eight, like two fifty. He's like a combo kind of do it all. I think you kind of compared to liken him to like a Draymond Green type, and he's got that kind of body yep. type. He reminds me a and- lot of Draymond Green. Yeah, he's just a big and bully type guy. Um, Cap Caprasova, Capra Capravica, whoever their big their big Serbian kid is. Uh, he's an impact player. It feels like he's kicked North Carolina's ass every time they they play them. He he kind of feasts for some reason. He's a really active, big who can play. Scotty Barnes, you know the 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 stud freshman, six eight, like two fifteen, coming off the bench or two twenty. I mean, they're just so big, and they just they do they come at you in waves and. Uh, I think UNC Greensboro is basically like a diet Florida State in the way they play. They come at you with with a ton of athleticism and and a lot of kind of junkyard dogs and and they overwhelm uh, teams in the SoCon with their athleticism. That's that's a system that a style of play that's really worked for them. Uh, the last couple of years is just be the more athletic team on the floor. Uh, you know they press and trap and put pressure on people and, and lock you up. They can't score very well, though. Their offense is not – it can get really stuck in the mud. And Isaiah Miller has to bail them out a lot, so his shooting percentages aren't real good. Um, I just tend to think Florida State does what UNC Greensboro does at a higher level with bigger, more athletic guys. Yeah, and not to get you know slightly off topic here, but you brought up Scotty Barnes, and this is something I saw the other day, Biggs. Do you know he is teammates in high school with Daron Sharp from North Carolina, Moses Moody from Arkansas, and who, oh, Cade Cunningham for Oklahoma State. All four of those guys are likely to be first-round draft picks this coming year. How crazy is that? Yeah, Montverde was the best high school team in the country last year with, with all those guys. Uh, it's a powerhouse. Um, I believe they also have Caleb. Caleb Houston was on that team. Caleb Houston is a five-star uh, top 10 recruit. This upcoming year, he's going to Michigan, and I'm sure he'll have one and done written all over him. Um, yeah, I mean, they're loaded. They've got a couple of uh, – they got a couple of five-star kids in the, the following class as well. It's a it's a factory down there, Montverde. And, mm-hmm. and I know when they get together with like IMG down there in Florida, those are like big-time matchups. And, and Montverde played like everyone good. I mean, they play played like it. They go all over the country basically and play. They're like this, you know, like like Finley Prep and uh, uh, what's the other one out east? There's there's another kind of high-end um, uh, team, and I can't. I, I'm blanking on it, but. They've got, they've, yeah, they're like one of those. I mean, that's talk about a squad, right? Woofta. All right. Anyways, let's move on. We have number six BYU against the winner of the 11 seed game, Michigan State versus UCLA, and number three Texas versus number 14 Abilene Christian. Now, I don't know much about Abilene. Do you? Uh, no. Uh, to be honest with you, I don't even know where Abilene is. Is that where is that in Texas? Abilene is actually a city in Texas. That's interesting. Oh, you just looked it up already? Okay, you got yep, it. I'm going to look it up. Um, I'm going to give you a guess here. Get over under three hours from Dallas for Abilene. Under. I'm going to give the trusty old Google Maps a look here. It is, oh, wow. You take via I-30 West and then I-20 West, it is two hours and 48 minutes. Damn. 
if you want to stay just if you just want to go straight I-20 west the whole way, John, two hours, 59 minutes. Wow. Look at you. I, I would do that just for this bet. Skinny your teeth. That is impressive. Nice work. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Biggs, as crazy as it is to say, I'm honestly thinking Michigan State's going to be the team that makes it out of this uh, little quarter of the bracket here. Michigan State, you say? So it would be so they would have to they beat UCLA obviously they would beat BYU and then they would probably have to play Texas I assume right, right. yeah Texas lately they just don't seem to have the tournament tournament success no they don't uh, actually to be honest they've barely gotten to the tournament since Shaka Smart's been there and that's why he was kind of a hot seat guy coming into the year uh, and at one point in the season they were ranked in like the top five remember when, I mean remember when they beat Kansas by like thirty and everyone was like whoa holy shit Texas um, it feels like since that moment, they really just haven't been, I don't know. It just seems like something's missing, you know? And, uh, that's, that's another team where it, it just seems like, I don't know if they just know who they are. I mean, I think they've got, you know, everyone kind of talks about the, the two bigs that they've got with, with Greg Brown and, uh, Kai Jones as kind of these, these intriguing prospects, uh, but the best players on the team are their three guards, you know, with uh, with Ramey and Coleman yep. and, and Matt Jones. I just wonder if there's a lot of egos getting in the way there. That's just kind of a guess. I feel like there might be a lot of stuff going on. I know I saw Greg Brown, their, their really high-powered, you know, five-star forward. He got benched in the Big 12 championship game. He played six minutes. He had five turnovers in, like, 13 minutes the game wow. before that. There, there feels like and, – and, like, a week before that, they had guards, like, fighting in the huddle. I don't know. It feels like – I'm saying it's weird to say like a team feels like it's kind of coming apart at the seams after they just won the Big 12 tournament. Um, no, they didn't have to beat Kansas in the second round, so that that kind of helps. I don't know. I have a hard time believing in this Texas team, so I guess I wouldn't be surprised if if Michigan State knocked them off. I, I think Michigan State's got as much on paper talent as as they do. Yeah, and like we always say, Mr. March, Tom Izzo, he's uh, he's built for these for these times here. Now, did he use up all of his magic in late February though, getting them to beat? You know, Michigan and Ohio. Well, actually, I guess they just beat Michigan here early in March. Beating Ohio State, beating Iowa. Did he have to dip into the the, the pool of magic for, for February just to get them to March? Does he still have magic left? Is there anything left in the tank? That's that's the question. Yeah. Does Mr. March have magic still in the magic pool? So yeah, that's my I'm- thoughts on this, uh, this little four-team quarter here. Um, and the last one in this region and for the tournament as a whole, we have number seven, Yukon versus 10, Maryland, as well as number two, Alabama versus 15, Iona. Rick Pitino bringing his fifth different team to the NCAA tournament going up against Bama. I don't think, I mean, Bama's loaded. I don't think Rick's going to get any magic this round. You know what else is loaded is just the state of Texas when it comes to cities. Like, I'm going down the Google map rabbit hole. You ever do this sometimes where you just find yourself scrolling and like looking at maps on, on Google maps. I'm doing that right now. And I mean, you've Abilene three and a half hours from Austin. That means those guys probably growing up right down the road against each other. They're an interesting little rivalry, but Mm -hmm. just North of Austin, you've got Waco. Then you got Fort Worth. You got Dallas. You've got college station, San Angelo. I don't know what that is, but it sounds like a fun town. Uh, Houston, San Antonio. I mean, Colleen? I've heard of all these cities. Like these are all in one state, John. What a wild, what a wild state. I'm going a little Bill Walton on that. I'm sorry. Do you know what Reddit is, Biggs? Yeah, yeah. You should be on there more often. You can get deep into rabbit holes on there. 
Man, I bet you I could. I, I wonder if, are there any Reddits just about all the cities in Texas? Because there are a lot of them. Texas is massive. They do say everything's bigger in Texas. I mean, the whole state is bigger. It's a huge state. I, I bet there's a r slash maps or something. R slash geography, maybe. You could probably get in deep into that. That'd be that'd be kind of that'd be kind of good. I'm not a great geography mind, but that's that's kind of why I find I find myself just every once in a while. It's kind of therapeutic. I don't know what it is. Just checking out Google Maps, checking out apartments and houses. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, my baggage. Anyway, uh, yeah, Yukon, Maryland. Yeah, um, Yukon is like a darling as well, you know, because everyone's kind of loving on on Yukon being back in the Big East. Everyone loves James Booknight because he's kind of one of those potential kind of superstars in a in a star-starved college basketball world that we live in. And I don't know. There's some sort of – there's just a, a contrarian in me that thinks like, watch Maryland just come in and just kind of beat them, beat them up. What do you think? Yeah, it's gonna, UConn, that, that UConn-Maryland game is an intriguing one for sure. You know, like you talked about, we have they have James Booknight coming back, averaging close to 20 points per game. And good news for them is, you know, you've seen these times – where a player comes back, we talked about with Kyrie Irving, I think in the first episode, or maybe it's when we were practicing podcasts, to be honest. But where a player, a star player comes back after missing 15, 20 games, and you know, he's their best player, so you expect they're going to be a lot better. But then just yep. they don't seem to be cohesive at all. But good news for UConn is they've had, what, four or five games with Book Knight to sort of build that up. And this is a team that could be having him back and having that time to sort of get that chemistry back could be beneficial for them for a big tournament run this year. But I, I also can't discount Maryland. They've got guys too, Aaron Wiggins and Eric Ayala. Um, this is a team that could make a sweet 16 run also. John, you should run for political office. You really played both sides of that extremely well. I have no idea which team you think is going to win, but it feels like you love both teams. That's well played. Spoiler alert. I also don't have any clue who's going to win this game. <laughs> No, that's the thing. I think it is. I think it's one of the more intriguing first round matchups, like you said, because I know Maryland has like 12 or 13 losses. They've got weird amounts of losses, but they've also got an impressive resume with all the quality wins they've got. I think UConn's probably the better team, but I don't know. There's just something about something about Maryland that I'm that I'm fascinated by. All right, Biggs, we're through all the games for this first round. And I don't know about you, but I am very excited for friday you know 11 15 hour time just because you know this is something that just got stolen away from us last year this is something that you know we're going to continue on this year we always get together and just you know eat awful food for our diets all day and just sit on a couch and watch basketball all day and so something i really look forward to I'm with you, John. It's 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 my favorite day of the year. It's always my favorite day of the year. You look forward to it. Uh, you you put in all the work to to get the time off from work so that you can sit and do nothing for these days. Uh, you go to the gym four, five, six days a week, grinding to get your body in shape so that you can have this cheat weekend. Just beat the shit out of yourself, and it's all worth it. It's great, and and the tournament always delivers. Whether it's whether it's whether it's the the crazy upsets or you know sometimes I think the best part is the almost upsets. You know a lot of times when those teams play play the big dogs close for like thirty eight minutes, um, you know and then and then a couple upsets obviously make the tournament really what it is. It's magical. It's 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 so it's so great to be back because you know last year this was it was robbed from us at, at the very last at the very last moment and um, and we're and we're stronger for it. You know what doesn't kill you apparently makes you stronger and I'm going to assume that I'm stronger True. now. 
All right, that's our closing thoughts on the games. Um, I do have one more thing for you, Biggs. I've got a trivia question, if you're ready. Bring it. All right. So I'm looking at the last 25 NCAA tournaments. Okay, so this is going to span 1995 through 2019. How old do you think I am? Almost that age, or a little more, yeah. actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, in those 25 years, there are six teams who have won multiple NCAA tournaments. And just a side note, those six teams account for 17 of those 25 tournaments. Six. So, I got to get my phone out again here quick. Give me a second. But I'm going to give you another minute to get that. And it starts right now. Six teams, you said? Yes. All right. Uh, Florida? Yep. Duke? Yep. North Carolina? Yep. Kentucky? Yep. Yukon? Yep. There's one more. You Villanova. The yes. Villanova. It only took you 34 seconds. Good job. But yeah, honestly, Ooh. the Villanova one. I feel like the Villanova is the one you should have gotten the earliest. Well, I'm trying to think of... Yeah, I guess that's been, that's been the most recent, I suppose, that they've won two in, yeah. in a really short amount of time. I was trying to think if – I actually accidentally said Kentucky when I was thinking UConn, and I don't remember the last time – I know Kentucky won it in like 14 or 13 with 12, Anthony Davis. 12. 12. I don't remember when they won it prior to that, though. I don't remember. They, and I'll go through them all. I'll go through them all quick. Yep, they, they got 12, 98, and 96. Florida, of course, was back-to-back, 2006 and 2007. UConn yep. has the most with uh, four in 99, 2004, 2011, and 2014. Duke yep. has three, 01, 2010, and 2015. North Carolina also three, 2005, 09, and 17. And then, like we said, Villanova in 16 and 18. Look at that. Boom. Give yeah. us a good little history lesson. <laughs> yeah, and just to sort of put a cap on it, the other – like I said, those took care of 17 of the 25. The other eight, Virginia in 2019, Louisville in 2013, which I think is That doesn't count, vacated. though. Yeah, that's vacated. So, I mean, that's I, is I it Michigan? The that's Michigan, thing. right? That's Michigan wanting that one, isn't it? Yes. Or Wichita. Yeah. I mean, Wichita lost to Louisville. Yeah, you could argue. You say one. Louisville? Louisville. I say Louisville. I was going to say, if you're going to be a college basketball potter, you've got to say it in as few syllables as possible. It's going to be, <laughs> <laughs> uh, continuing on, 2008 was Kansas, 2003 Syracuse, 02 is Maryland, 2000 was Michigan State. That's actually the most recent one for the Big Ten. 97 was Arizona, the most recent for the Pac-12, and 95 was UCLA. Nice. I was trying to think about, yeah, if UCLA had any they, – they had a stretch there where they got to every Final Four and they couldn't quite close mm-hmm. the deal. Yep. So, good stuff, good stuff. Who do you think wins it this year? It's not going to be a repeat. It's going to be either Gonzaga or Baylor, and I got Gonzaga. I know you have Baylor. Would a, would a repeat be Virginia, or would a repeat be COVID? Uh, like an actual like back-to-back? Like if, like if COVID just won the tournament by canceling the whole thing again. I don't not know going can... everybody. Okay, we'll give it to them then. It started with Davion Harmon, and it ends with them knocking out Abilene Christian. And then the, the pod we had – a few days ago, I guess tech or would they then again be unbeaten? Yeah, we would really have to eat crow on that. We were we were kind of parading around uh, COVID's dead. 
<laughs> my dog is sticking his butt in my face like he wants me to scratch it. Like, All right. Yeah, I think that's a good time to go. So, yeah, yeah this like is uh, this is our preview pod for all the first round games. So, um, yeah, let's get out of here, Biggs. Let's do it. Bring on the tournament. <laughs>